Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Redbox Report, a weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Fallon, and with me today is nobody. It's just me today. I'm just checking in because it's been a while since we had an episode. I wasn't able to coordinate anything with the co-host, so I thought I would just do a little audio diary type thing where I talk about a couple of movies I watched. Uh... Reviewing Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, first of all. I'll also count Ant-Man and Trainwreck as main reviews, so they're eligible for the Redbox Awards in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, so I'm just checking in. We got some new equipment for Christmas. Um, a mixer, individual mics for both co-hosts, a pop screen. So hopefully you can tell the difference in audio quality. I did test it out, and it seemed to be a pretty deal different and uh, better from what I could tell, but hopefully it translates to you as well. Um, and with 2016 coming in, I'm hoping to refocus our energy, try to improve and be more consistent with our releases, but it's not off to a great start, but I, uh, I promise we will get better about that. As you can probably tell, I'm a little nervous since I've never done this by myself before, used to having a co-host to bounce off of, but uh, I'm going to do my best. If it's unlistenable, that's fine. There should be a co-host in the next episode. I don't plan on doing this often unless things really don't go too well, but um, let's get started with our first quote-unquote main review of the podcast, which would be Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, the fifth uh, movie in the Mission Impossible franchise. Directed by Christopher McQuarrie, starring Tom Cruise, Rebecca Ferguson, and all the usual suspects. Um, this had a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Very well reviewed. Some people said it was the best in the franchise. Um, as for me, I thought it was very good. I, I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. The Some of the action scenes were great um, with the opening scene. Uh, Tom Cruise trying to inf- infiltrate an airplane with the help of uh, Simon Pegg's character. That was a good blend of action, cool stunt work, and humor. Um, there's a big scene where he's breaks, or he doesn't break into an opera, but he goes to an opera and he thwarts a assassination attempt, and that was a lot of fun. Great action set piece there. And the other big one, I guess, would be when he had to go underwater to try to open some kind of gate type thing and uh it's been reported that tom cruise did his own stunts with this and he was able to stand underwater for like a minute and a half by himself i don't know if that was completely necessary it doesn't exactly translate that he did that uh himself with all the cuts and all but pretty cool uh in and of itself he he does a great job here as always tom cruise great action movie star We've talked about it before on the podcast. He gets a lot of criticism, and rightfully so, for his his uh, Scientology and weirdness outside of acting. But he he puts the work in, and he he gives it his best, and usually is able to elevate maybe some lesser works, which I don't think this is. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie does a pretty good job directing directing this. I don't think he's known for directing action movies, but I think he did a good job here. He does a good job with all the in-between action set-piece stuff. Uh, probably better than most other of the Mission Impossible movies. And he's able to give us a new up-and-coming actress in Rebecca Ferguson, who 
I felt like really shined here in her first first uh, first thing I'd seen her in anyway. I'm sure she's acted in other stuff, but she just burst on the scene. She had a lot of charisma, great action, and uh, good chemistry with Tom Cruise. Uh, I'd like to see her come back if uh, in Mission Impossible 6, which I'm happy to hear Macquarie is coming back to direct first person to direct two Mission Impossible movies. I think he deserved it after this. Um, I don't think this is the best Mission Impossible movie because it didn't have anything that really stood out as an amazing anything. Really, it just was great to good all around. Uh, I thought it was probably the most consistent Mission Impossible movie, whereas I'll give my rank of the movies now, I guess. Um, I think Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, the fourth movie in the franchise, was the best because there were a couple action set pieces there that just were amazing with the uh, tower in Ab- Ab- Dubai. Um, that was great. So I put that first. But the Mission Impossible Rogue Nation had more, was better on the in-between moments, and it never lagged as much as I thought the fourth one did. And it might be for nostalgia purposes, but I still have the first Mission Impossible ranked second. Um, haven't watched it again in quite a while, so I'm not sure how much it holds up, but I just remember loving it, uh, first time I saw it, maybe the second time, but it's still been a while. So if I rewatch that, maybe Rogue Nation will bump ahead to number two, but I have it at three for right now. One thing about Rogue Nation that kind of holds it back is the villain for me was not super interesting. Um, thought it was just a bland villain and, uh... I don't know, I think that could be a problem with this franchise as a whole. Even in Ghost Protocol, I didn't think the main bad guy was anything to write home about. But I would put Mission Impossible 3 at 4. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is great in that movie, but I didn't love it as much as a lot of other people do. It's J.J. Abrams. I like him, and I thought the movie was pretty solid, but didn't do a ton for me. And, of course, uh, Mission Impossible 2 would be last just a weird movie. I only saw it once, but I did not care for it much at all when I did see it. So, I guess that's all I have on Rogue Nation. I don't have someone to bounce off of to bring up new topics. That's all I can think of right now. So, this will probably be a shorter podcast. But I would give Rogue Nation a solid 8 out of 10. I, and like I said, I had a lot of fun with it. But it didn't knock my socks off, so to speak. Uh, next up would be Ant-Man. This is the latest Marvel movie, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, starring Paul Rudd, Michael Pena, Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, directed by Peyton Reed. It's most known, of course, that uh, Edgar Wright was supposed to direct it, and he dropped out. So they brought in Peyton Reed with a little help from uh, Adam, the guy that directed Anchorman. Excuse me for not remembering his name at the moment, but... uh. This is the story of Hank Pym and Scott Lang as the new Ant-Man. Um, Paul Rudd plays a a robber or a just a criminal who's out of jail. He a burglar. There you go. He didn't hurt anybody. Um, he is fresh out of jail, and his buddy Michael Pena is trying to convince him to go on another job. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to become legit. But he gets sucked into it, and he tries to steal something from 
Michael Douglas's character, who is Hank Pym. Turns out it's just a test to see who could be the new Ant-Man and go on some mission to destroy the latest bad guy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, had a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. It, it was what I was looking forward to because I love Paul Rudd. He's one of my favorite actors, especially comedic. And uh, there's a lot of comedy in this movie, and it's probably what I like best about it. Um, Michael Pena is great as the uh, sidekick and Paul Rudd's um, best friend, I guess he would be. And and all the stuff with them trying to break into places and the heist movie aspect of it was pretty cool. Uh, Paul Rudd, as always, he's great as the, as the lead. I'm looking forward to seeing him in Captain America Civil War and other Marvel movies in the future. Evangeline Lilly, again, I, this might be my favorite movie that I've seen her in. I liked her in Lost, even though I thought she was one of the weaker aspects of that show, but I thought she did a great job here, basically being Bryce Dallas Howard's doppelganger. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing her take on the the moniker of the Wasp in the sequel to this movie, which was announced, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I also liked a lot how the visual aspect of when he shrinks down to ant size and everything else is bigger. Um, it's almost like, honey, I shrunk the kids, but for the modern age. And I thought they did a great job with that. And the action that stems from it isn't amazing, but it works because of the visuals, I think. There's a scene where he first shrinks down in a bathtub and someone comes in and turns on the water and and uh, it's a pretty cool effect as well as the last fight with the yellow jacket on a Thomas the Train set I thought that was very creative um, um, yeah so I thought it was pretty good I don't know for some reason much like Mission Impossible I didn't think there was anything that really knocked my socks off I'm giving it a Solid 7.5 out of 10. As far as Marvel Cinematic Universe movies go, I thought it was in a tier with The Incredible Hulk and Captain America Winter Soldier. Probably in between those. I'd probably put Winter Soldier, then Ant-Man, then The Hulk without doing too much serious uh, investigation into those rankings. But it was a movie I enjoyed quite a bit, but it wasn't one that I think is of their best. But I think there's potential here. Um, definitely looking forward to the sequel, like I said, and and the other spin-offs. And I'm a Marvel Marvel head, so of course I'm always looking forward to the next one. Uh, next up for the last quote unquote main review. Again, these are way shorter than our main reviews would normally be, but you get what you get with me. Um, Trainwreck. That would be the newest comedy from Judd Apatow, uh, written co-written by Amy Schumer, I think. It was written by Schumer and her friend, and then Apatow kind of co-opted it and came aboard as director, and she stars in it as someone named Amy, and it also stars Bill Hader, John Cena, LeBron James, uh, and her sister and brother-in-law, brother-in-law, is uh, <laughs> the girl that's starring in Room. Again, <laughs> I did not do a great job in... Uh, getting these names into my head before I started this, but um, I thought this was a pretty good comedy. It, first of all, it had 85% of Rotten Tomatoes, so um, pretty good reviews for a comedy. I'm a fan of Judd Apatow's movies. I think he hasn't had a bad movie yet. Some are better than others, of course, but 
and I think this continues along those lines. Uh, I thought the first half was way better when it was more comedic driven. I thought it was pretty funny uh, with Amy Schumer uh, and her relationship with John Cena and then the relationship as it first develops with Bill Hader and LeBron James as best friends. Uh, she knows nothing about sports, but she's dating a sports uh, doctor who does surgeries for basketball players and and other athletes. And she's a writer for a, uh, I guess like a cosmopol cosmopolitan or other trashy magazine, you could say. And her whole style is that she is like, I guess you could say she's like a man in that she is into one night stands, which she got from her father, who was, uh, I guess, a notorious scoundrel. He would just cheat on her mother left and right and left the impression that you know, that that's just how life is. So she she sleeps around. She doesn't like long-term relationships. And that's when most of the comedy comes in. And her sister and brother-in-law have a, a preppy kid, and she's disgusted by their whole life. And they have an interesting dynamic. But then more in the second half is when the, the drama comes in, where the father is ill and, I guess, dying and... And she gets more serious with her relationship with Bill Hader. Um, that's when it kind of fell off. It's, it never was bad, I thought, but it just, the laugh stopped as much. And it just, I, whereas I thought that Apatow was able to really mix the comedy and drama very well in Funny People, I didn't think he was able to do it quite as well here. I didn't care as much about what was really going on that could be due to script issues or performance from Schumer who's new to the acting scene she's a stand-up comedian so maybe it just wasn't brought out the way they intended to but uh, didn't exactly work for me so I guess as far as Apatow's movies this would probably be in the lesser half I'd go Knocked Up number one uh, funny People, like I said, I know not a lot of people love that movie as much as I do, but I thought he expertly crafted a great drama with a lot of funny moments. Then I'd say The 40-Year-Old Virgin would be next, followed by this movie, Trainwreck, and This is 40, which I didn't hate, but again, I thought had a much stronger first half with the comedy before the less funny second half with more drama came in. And I hope this isn't a trend for him, because his last two movies are my least too favorite, but I still liked him enough. Uh, hopefully he gets back on track with his next one. I feel like maybe he's getting a little bit of a big head about him. Um, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that, but still enjoy his movies for sure. Alright, so next up I'm going to do a little top five by myself here. We were supposed to do top five summer 2015 movies with the release of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation on Redbox. As a summary of just the summer blockbuster season, which, because we've now reviewed most of them on here, um, still a couple, like Straight Outta Compton, and I feel like, well, Fantastic Four, I doubt was going to make anyone's list, but that's still left to be released, so, but for the most part, all the big ones are out, and if another one that I watch happens to crack this list, I will update that in future episodes. So, my number five summer 2015 release would be Inside Out. The newest Pixar movie, which we reviewed about a month or two ago, 
um, like all these we've we've pretty much reviewed or talked about. So I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I just uh, people love Inside Out. They, a lot of people say it's like their best movie ever, or at least one of them. I'm not that high on it. I think it's a very nice movie. It has its moments. It's probably middle, high middle as far as the Pixar tier goes for me. Probably right around there with The Incredibles, maybe just below it in the, like the 6 to 10 range, I would guess. Uh, but my daughter loves it, or we bought it for her for Christmas, and she has watched it a few times. And It's definitely one that I don't mind when it's on. It's, it's not one that grates on me, gets on my nerves like Frozen eventually did. I'm sure it could get there, but it, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, good emotional and comedic elements as far as all the creativity that we talked about on the, the episode we reviewed it. Number four, I have The Gift, which is the Joel Edgerton directorial debut uh, starring Jason Bateman, Edgerton himself, and Rebecca Hall. We didn't review this one. I did talk about it on what else we watched, and I talked about how it was a very good mystery thriller. Um, not exactly horror, but more of a horror-tinged thriller, I guess you could say. Uh, Bateman, he's always the straight man. I think he was... He's still the same character for the most part, but he does a pretty good job here. I think it's one of his better performances. Um, they, Edgerton just does a really good job through his cinematography and other choices as a director of of causing dread and what could be possible to happen next. And It was a very solid movie. Number three would be Mission Impossible Resignation, which I talked about uh, obviously at the beginning of this episode. Very fun movie. Uh, number two, Avengers Age of Ultron. Another fun movie, which I didn't like as much as the first Avengers, but I did like it more than Ant-Man. Um, as I've talked about on here, I watched it three times. The first time, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Second time, was a little bit of a come down. Uh, was reevaluating my first viewing, but then I watched it a third time, and I was much more towards my first viewing, where I just enjoyed it a lot. I guess I can see the faults, but I'm able to look past it just because of how fun the movie is and it's got good action, good performances, and good new characters, I thought. Um, Quicksilver, even though he's better in the X-Men X -Men franchise, I thought he was surprisingly good here for his second version. Um, and I like the vision design and the way he came in. So, Number one, it should be no surprise to anybody, it's Mad Max Fury Road. Raved about it three months ago or whenever we reviewed it. Uh, it's fantastic. It's probably... No, there's no probably about it. It's my number one movie of 2015 so far. Still quite a lot of movies to watch from the year 2015, but uh, I don't know if this will be unseated. It's probably one of my top 100 movies of all time, at least as of now. haven't rewatched it yet, but I see that it's going to be on HBO this week, I think, so I will record that and watch the shit out of it as much as I can. Uh... Just an awesome heroine in Charlize Theron's uh, Furiosa. She's a fantastic character. Just the world building is in insane in this movie. The, the effects. There's so much life that is just breathed into this world. and it's, it's amazing. There's not even that much plot about it. It's basically just a long chase movie. But man, it is enthralling. So if you haven't checked that out by now, please do. It... I think even someone that didn't like the first two Mad Max movies from the 70s 
that much. I thought they were okay. Uh, this, I loved every second of it. It was amazing. Uh, a couple honorable mentions would be Ant-Man and Trainwreck, which I just talked about, as well as Dope. Uh, I talked about it a couple episodes ago. Um, Sundance favorite. Um, sorry, I'm coming out of lost words for it, but it is a very good movie as well. Pretty close to notching the top five spot. As far as what else I watched, I watched a ton since our last episode. So the main reason I wanted to get this out now is because there's just so much. It would be too much to keep building up and uh, talk about in future installments. So, all right, where should I start? I'll start with the most recent movie I watched, which would be, which would be Bone Tomahawk. First movie I watched in 2016, starring Kurt Russell, Matthew Fox, Richard Jenkins, and uh, the guy from... Fargo Season 2, Patrick Wilson. Uh, this is a Western horror comedy mix, which is very interesting in and of itself, about a man played by Luke Wilson who stumbles upon... He's killing and robbing uh, people in the desert, and he stum- they stum- him and his buddy stumble across an Indian burial ground, and his buddy gets killed. He knocks over some gravestones and runs into this town where Kurt Russell is the sheriff and the savage Indians, which they do come across. It's a little racist, it seems. They are just so uncivilized. But they do play as like a good horror aspect. With You never know where they're coming from. They're brutal and scary. But they come back. They take Luke Wilson as well as Patrick Wilson's wife. Sorry, you can hear my son whining in the back, I'm sure. Um, and the four people, Russell, Jenkins, Wilson, and Fox, they, they go on a trek to get them back from the, the Indians' place of residence. And it's, it's kind of meandering, but not in a bad way. I liked the world building and just the atmosphere, the, the surroundings, just the life of a of civilization back then. It was very, uh, seemed realistic anyway. And I just, I'm glad I live in this era and not back then. And then in the latter half of the film, it becomes more of a bloody horror, thriller, vengeance, uh, (laughs) crazy gore, especially one scene, which I won't ruin, but made me want to throw up a little bit. (laughs) And I, I thought the movie was very good. Um, like I said, a very cool mix of, of the Western genre with some comedy and horror as well. Richard Jenkins is great as like a dim-witted assistant to the sheriff who lost his wife. And you can tell he's just he's just lost. But uh, Matthew Fox does some of his best work since Lost as well, playing like a another scoundrel who's all about the women and being so smart and honest about it and kind of a jackass, but... And it was good. It was very good. I'd give it a a heavy 7.5 out of 10. Definitely recommend it to anyone that likes westerns or horror movies or even something a little more comedic. So there you go. Next I'll talk about The Man From U.N.C.L.E., which we were going to do as a main review potentially, but just didn't work out. Um... This is the adaptation from the TV show 
starring Superman himself, as well as <laughs> uh, Army Hammer. Yes, that is who it was. And Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina. And all three of those people are great in this in this uh, movie, I thought. Um, it's about a Russian spy teaming up with an American spy. Teaming up, I think Alicia Vikander's character is German, or maybe she's Russian as well. Um, it's been a while since I watched it, but basically just a spy thriller. Very slick, you could say. It's uh, all about the the wardrobe and the the... The, the era and just how suave these people are and nothing is much effort everything is effortless and make it look easy and it's a lot of fun in that regards um, directed by Guy Ritchie who usually I feel like does more rough and tumble stuff so that is interesting but it didn't completely land for me I didn't think anything was great other than the look of it and the acting it felt very empty um, some decent action but like I said, there's not a lot of weight behind it. Um, the biggest thing I took away from it was that Alicia Vikander is amazing. And she will be around for quite a while. She's probably the next Jennifer Lawrence or, uh, you know, big actress. Much along the lines of Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson. I feel like this year in movies, is, as Edgar Shepard put it on uh, Facebook, it's going to be known for the, the awakening of female leads, at least uh, in three or four movies, it's just crazy how there's clearly great actresses out there who just need the material to work with, and this is another case in that we could see, be seeing more of that in the future. Uh, also watched Mississippi Grind, a gambling movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn, yes, got it. Um, they are... Well, Ryan Reynolds is like a career gambler whose mother is in Vegas, and Ben Mendelsohn is a down-on-his-luck gamble addict who's in debt up to his ears, and he's, his wife left him with his daughter, I believe, and he's befriends Ryan Reynolds, and it's kind of dubious as to whether Reynolds is roping him in or if it's a real friendship, and they go on a little road trip to work together to try to make as much money as they can and yada yada yada. It's a it's a very good movie. Um, I think this came out of Sundance as well. Great performances by Reynolds and Mendelssohn. Um, very well done by the director. Just it's very nitty gritty uh, cinematography. It's very down to earth. It gets at the level that these guys are on. And uh, I didn't think it was great, but it was a very enjoyable watch, a little depressing at times, but uh, super well done. If you like gambling movies, it's definitely one to check out. Let's see. The Ridiculous Six I watched on Netflix. The Adam Sandler comedy? I guess you could call it a comedy. Um, this is the first movie in Adam Sandler's Netflix deal where he, I think it's four or five movies he's making exclusively, exclusively for them. I don't know why I keep watching his movies. And this might be the worst of the worst. It is absolutely terrible. This is a Western parody about Adam Sandler, who is, I guess, half Indian, half uh, Caucasian. And he finds out that his dad uh, 
something with his dad, and he had a bunch of brothers, and he goes on a search to find him, and they work together to try to get, find him. It doesn't matter. It's it's fucking terrible. Um, not funny at all. Just disgusting and racist and hateful. But that's not even... It's just not funny at all. It's just so stupid. Um, and it's so long. It's over two hours long. I'm not going to lie. I didn't finish the whole movie, but I saw the vast majority of it, and... Oh my god, it is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Definitely one of the worst movies of the year. Avoided at all costs. And I'm sure I'll watch his next Netflix exclusive and be suckered in again. Let's see, next up, a couple older movies. I watched The Conversation with Gene Hackman. Obviously this movie is well known as a great movie. Um, Gene Hackman is a, I guess, not a spy, but... Someone who, I, I'm going to call it a spy. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But someone who is listening in on conversations and spying on people and trying to, for a different, a bigger company who wants this information, he's not doing it for himself. He's just the guy that's getting this this information and trying to translate it for his bosses. And... He becomes a little more interested in what's really going on, poking in where maybe he shouldn't poke his head at, and uh, it drives him a little crazy. It's more about, I think, his internal psychological effects that this would have on someone with this job, and it is very good. I thought um, it has that 70s feel where his like, cinema verite, I guess, is so almost uber-realistic that it can be a little boring. It's so quiet, which seems to be a trend for 70s. They don't put a lot of score underneath stuff. It's very quiet and trying to be like you're in the room, I guess, with them. And, um, yeah, it was good. I didn't love it, but I thought the ending was amazing. I, th I love the ending. It's a great encapsulation of the whole entire thing, but I just wish the journey to get there was better. So I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Um... Yeah, I watched Crimes and Misdemeanors, a Woody Allen movie. I haven't seen a ton of Woody Allen. I think this is my eighth or ninth Woody Allen movie that I've seen. And for the most part, I like them all. Obviously, I'm picking and choosing ones that are a little better reviewed. But as terrible as I think he is personally, his movies are pretty good. And Crimes and Misdemeanors is one of my favorites of his. This is like a, telling the story of a few different people. But one is an eye doctor who is uh, has a mistress cheating on his wife, and she says she's going to reveal this. She's going to tell the wife and blow the whole thing up. He obviously doesn't want her to do that. He's trying to reason with her. And also at the same time, Woody Allen's character is, um, is a documentary filmmaker who's struggling. It's almost like I'm guessing that uh, Noah Baumbach got a lot inspiration from this movie for while we're young it seems a little bit like he's the Jason Bateman character from that movie but he is a skilled filmmaker who wants to make serious works but he he can't get a job so his brother-in-law who's a big shot gets him a, a TV job where he's doing a featurette on his brother-in-law and it's basically a puff piece he and he kind of falls in love with someone who's working on that uh, adventure and he wants to cheat on his wife but 
he might not have enough game or interest from the other party to do so. And and it goes in different places, and it's a very interesting movie. It has both law and order in it. Uh, the lawyer from Law and Order and the cop from Law and Order. Um, don't know their names, I'm sorry, but you would recognize them if you've seen older episodes of Law and Order. Uh, I thought, and again, I I thought it was great. I thought it went in places where I kind of suspected, but did a very good job of it. So I'll give that a, a solid 8.5 out of 10. Great movie. Let's see. Next up would be Last Days, a Gus Van Sant movie about a rock star, suicidal rock star, who in his last days of his life before he kills himself. And it's, you can tell, it's it's Kirk Cobain. This basically what this is about. Um, this is a very quiet and meandering movie as well. It didn't work as well for me as The Conversation did, or whatever movie I said was meandering, but not in a bad way. This one was more in a bad way. Um, pretty boring. It had moments, especially early on. I was intrigued by the slowness, but then it just it became a little overboard. Um, and I was kind of out of it so much that the effect at the end didn't have on me as much as it should have. Uh, I did love his movie Elephant, which I think he made around the same time. I think it was like his death trilogy. I still have to see Jerry with Matt Damon, but this was a bit of a disappointment for me. I'll give it a five and a half out of ten. Then I watched Far From Heaven. Uh, I think it's Todd McCarthy. If it's, if not, it's Tom McCarthy. He directed Carol, which has just recently come out and is up for Oscar contention, but this was his movie from... The early 90s, I want to say, starring Julianne Moore and Dennis Quaid as a husband and wife in, you know, white picket fans, perfect middle class America. She finds out that he's gay. <laughs> or I think in a movie set in the 50s, 40s or 50s, she finds out her husband is gay. And her one confident, confidant, uh, other than her nosy neighbors who just love to gossip and spread rumors, is the black uh, gardener that she has, and they kind of strike up a relationship. And it's a very pretty movie. It looks great for the time. Uh, very accurate, I would I would imagine. Um, yeah, good looking movie. Uh, pretty good story about you know the the hate that was going on back then between African Americans and gay people, and just the way the world was a little. <laughs> conservative to say the least on those matters and it was a it was a good story um I, I enjoyed it i thought it was really good eight out of ten not gonna just keep mumbling on about that um next up is waitress i watched a movie from 2007 which i'd heard good things about um i'm not sure why after watching the movie i thought it was okay um carrie russell is a southern pie maker who is married to a abusive, terrible man, and she wants to file for divorce, I believe, and uh, Nathan Fillion is her... No, 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 no. She finds out she's pregnant, sorry. She finds out she's pregnant. She goes to the doctor. Uh, she has a new doctor. It's Nathan Fillion. She doesn't really want to have a baby with her husband, and she kind of falls in love with... Nathan Fillion, the doctor, and her friends, who also waitress at the same restaurant, uh, 
there's a whole dynamic. It's okay. I didn't really... It was very middle of the road for me, so I'll give give it a 6 out of 10. But people seem to like it more than me, so I don't know. Uh, Next up, I watched Almost Famous, another movie, this one from 2000, that people love about a young journalist or high school kid who wants to be a rock journalist. He has a conservative mother, um, and he manages to go on tour to write a piece on some rock band I think is made up, but I'm pretty sure it's made up band. But he goes on tour with them and manages to score a a story with Rolling Stone to write about them, and it's him pretending he's older and trying. He's just living his life, and it's a coming of age movie. In the craziest of ways, he befriends a a groupie or band aid, as she puts it, and it's just how. You know, it's in the vein of like a Daisy Confused, this young kid who's coming of age in a bizarre, crazy, turbulent world. Um, and I definitely enjoyed it a lot. It was very good. The camera crow directed. But it it has some cheese to it. It's a little corny, but it is able to work through that, which is the core essence of what it's going for. So I definitely enjoyed it a lot. I'll give it a heavy 8 out of 10. Next up would be another music movie uh, called Ricky and the Flash, which is a 2015 release starring Meryl Streep and her daughter. Um, forget her name, but it's her real-life daughter who plays her daughter in this movie. Uh, this is a story of a woman who left her family to pursue a career in rock and roll. She's a lead singer for like a it's like it's like a bar band. They didn't quite make it as much as. I guess she was expecting to when she left her family. Um, and she's dating the guitarist in her band. She finds out that her daughter is divorcing her wife after a couple of years. And it's, I guess, she's committed, uh, tried to commit suicide, a suicide attempt, and the old husband has called her back in to try to help things. And it's basically a dynamic of what it's like to have a negligent parent or a um you know a parent that is just not around to support you and how that affects the parties all around the the uh, the kids the ex-husband the person who left themselves and i think it does a really good job of portraying all of that despite how predictable and corny it can be but again just the moral at the center of it and how it's able to be fair to everybody involved, show the, the good and the bad implications behind everything. It was a very surprising movie, just based off the marketing, the trailer, the poster, everything. It looked like it would be a terrible movie, but it's really, really good movie. Uh, I'd give it a 7.5 out of 10. Definitely recommend. It's definitely more than you think. It's, a, it's good. Let's see. Next up is Experimenter, starring uh, Skarsgård, uh, one of the Skarsgårds. Um, sorry about that. Again, I'm always forgetting names. Need to do better prep work. Uh, but this is the true story of a psychologist, I guess, or a guy who's doing experiments, whatever you would call it, a guy that's doing experiments to just see how people react in a controlled environment and, uh, looking it up. Uh, Winona Ryder is in it. Uh, it's Peter Sarsgaard. 
that's the scars going that it was directed by Michael Almereda. Um, the man is Stanley Milgram, a social psychologist. There you go. Um, he he's doing these experiments to see how much people will listen to orders to inflict pain if, on people if they ha- if they're told to do so, and and just see their willingness to obey just because someone with power is telling them to do so. Um, very interesting movie. It's interestingly made. Um, very bizarre with like elephants walking around in the background, I think, to just portray that maybe not everything is as it seems and your expectations can be shattered or whatever. And um, uh, maybe it's trying to say that the, it's an unreliable narrator. <clears throat> but I thought it was a very good movie. <coughs> Excuse me. I thought it was a very good movie. Um, it got a little slower in the second half again, but I'd give it a solid 7.5 out of 10 and say it's worth checking out. Great performances. Uh, just a cool story. Just a cool feel to the movie. You know, you it feels like you're you're there with them. It, a lived-in world again. I'm saying the same things, but um, I don't know how to explain it. Just... It's a movie that feels good while you're watching it. Just very smooth. Let's see. A few more things I'll try to fly through real fast. Um, I watched Pan, the uh, movie that was panned and was a box office flop big time at the at the box office. Huge budget. Didn't make barely any money. Got critically panned again. There you go. Um, and, yeah, it's not good. It's not good at all. Joe Wright, who usually makes gorgeous-looking movies, if, whether you like them or not, um, did not do so as much here, I thought. Uh, kind of an ugly movie. Some decent ideas there, I guess. But um, I didn't really like anything about it. It has some weird musical choices where the characters are singing Nirvana songs and Ramones. and It's weird. Uh, again, Hugh Jackman. Um, he's He's okay. It's not great as Blackbeard and, I don't know, the person playing Hook, I forget. It's uh, Jai Courtney, I believe. Very weird choice. Um, did not like, did not like. Four out of ten for that. I also gave a four out of ten to The Longest Ride, the Nicholas Sparks adaptation, which I watched with my wife on Christmas Eve as we were wrapping presents and putting stuff together. Um, pretty terrible as much as... All the rest, maybe a tiniest bit better, because there was... There you go. Brady liked it, I guess. Um, There was a little bit of a side story, which I thought was a little bit sweeter than the rest, but uh, not very good. Not very good at all. Four out of ten as well, as I already said. Um, For Your Consideration, which is uh, the same person that made Best Best In Show, which I loved, which I watched this year. And this is one of his newer ones about a... uh, a film that's being made and it starts to pick up some Oscar buzz and it's like a parody of the whole Oscar situation and campaigning and all that stuff and um I didn't like it nearly as much as Best in Show or uh this is damn it (laughs) the other movie he made or the other movie that's in that same vein that's really good well they turn it up to 11 and I can't remember the name of it but uh Christopher Guest is the guy I thought this was a bit of a miss. Maybe he's just losing it, or maybe it's just the topic that he's going after that just didn't work as much for me. So I give that a 5 out of 10. 
Um, also watch the second Divergent movie, which is Insurgent, with Charlene Woodley and everybody's back, and Kate Winslet is the villain, and worse, worse than Divergent. Definitely, the series has gotten worse with the second installment. Um, just thought the characters were not consistent with what was where we left off, and it's just it's not good, not good action, not good, not really many good ideas. Uh, that was a total miss for me. Uh, I watched. Mistress America, the second Noah Baumbach film of 2015, starring Greta Gerwig, and um, I forget the other actress's main actress's name, but she was really good in the movie. Um, um, this was like a mix of his last two movies, While We're Young and um, Francis Ha. It's like combining those two movies together, kind of a cynical view on just life in your 30s. I guess the, it's an interesting idea of a quarter-life crisis. I like that. It's a pretty funny movie. Um, again, I think it loses steam a little bit as it goes on. But um, I'd, probably, I'd rank it under Francis Ha and While We're Young, but still very good movie, 7.5 out of 10. I haven't really seen a Noah Baumbach film that I haven't liked, so he continues to be a filmmaker that I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. A couple rewatches. I rewatched. Shaun the Sheep, which I still like considerably. It's like a, a claymation silent film about how, you know, sometimes you appreciate the routine of your life. You need to go through an adventure uh, to get back to being excited about what you're doing in the first place. And I, I think it's very well done, as most of the Ardman Studio stuff is. A uh, heavy 7.5 out of 10 on that. Also rewatched The Iron Giant, which I which is the second time I've watched it. I watched it for the first time a few years ago. Loved it, and this just confirms it. I love it. It's a great, one of the great animated movies that I've ever seen. And there's not really a whole lot that I could say why. It's just, I love it. I don't know. It's a great animation, cool just feel to the movie. The, the time period is, is great. Um, the voice performances are good. The analog to Superman with the Iron Giant, Giant is uh, interesting, and it's fantastic. Nine and a half out of ten. Definitely one of my top 100 movies of all time, probably. I also rewatched A Christmas Story, the overplayed but classic Christmas movie, and as often as they play a marathon of it every year, and it's everyone's favorite Christmas movie, and it's so overplayed and overdone. It's, I haven't watched it in a while just because of that, but it still holds up to me, even though there's some iffy stuff with like the Chinese restaurant at the end. But it's a, it's a great movie, especially just to watch around that time. I'm not going to watch the marathon over and over again every year, but it's something I will revisit again. Uh, 9 out of 10. Light 9 out of 10, but 9 out of 10. Also rewatched the original Star Wars trilogy after watching The Force Awakens. And yes, it... The original trilogy is still great. I'm hoping we can do a Star Wars special to uh, review The Force Awakens and maybe a couple other things about the Star Wars movies. So I'll hold off talking too much about it. But my opinions change slightly on things, but still love the trilogy itself. And let's see. Ah, rewatched Christmas Vacation, which is going down a little bit every time I watch it, but still pretty great. Uh, 8 out of 10. Um, TV-wise, Fargo Season 2 ended, and I thought it was very good. 
I didn't love how it ended. The last two episodes were probably one of the two least favorites of the season for me, but episode eight was amazing. Um, I'd say it had bigger highs and lows than the first season, but I would, I would call them about even. I thought the first season was more consistent in what it was doing, but season two had stuff that was way better than season one and stuff that was way worse, so I'd, I'd just call it even. Why not? But still one of the better shows of 2015 for me. Also, Survivor ended a while, a couple weeks or a month ago. <laughs> but uh, sec- Survivor second chances. Jeremy Collins was the winner. He was who was I was. He was who I was rooting for from the first episode on. So very happy about that. It was a great season. Probably top five as far as I'm concerned. Um, check out Rob has a podcast for you know in depth thoughts on that, which I love listening to that podcast and everything that they do over there. So. If you want more on that, just go there. But I really, really enjoyed the season. Uh, also, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones with my wife as she <laughs> refused to watch it with me when I was first watching it. But now someone at her work says it's great, so she wants to see it. And we're up to um, season three. We're up to the end of season three. We started Reigns of Castamere. And if you are a Game of Thrones fan, you know which episode that is. But she fell asleep uh, in the middle of it. Before it got crazy, um, so I'm definitely looking forward to continuing that. Maybe if me and her ever do our podcast, we will definitely talk about that at that time. Also, this weekend I went to Buffalo Wild Wings and watched UFC 195 with Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler uh, in the main event. And that was probably one of the best fights I have ever seen. Definitely the best round. Round five of that fight was incredible. Uh, Robbie Lawler retained his welterweight championship. And a close split decision, which I had the other way, but such a great fight that it's really hard to complain about anything, but just thought it was worth pointing out how amazing that fight was. And if you're into fights of any kind, in any way, that that is definitely worth looking into. Okay, let's see. Just a couple news items real quick. Um, Jeremy Renner is going to star in a Rocky Marciano biopic. Hmm, a boxing movie with the main character being someone named Rocky. Where have I heard this before? But I wonder if if uh, the, the success of Creed had anything to do with this or if it was already uh, in production before that. Um, I tend to like boxing movies, and Jeremy Renner is a pretty good actor, so I'm sure I will check it out when it comes out. And finally, Christopher Nolan's next movie has been revealed to be a war, World War II thriller called Dunkirk, about the Battle of Dunkirk, or something that happened there in World War II. Tom Hardy, Kenneth Branagh, and Mark Rylance. Will, <laughs> calm down, Brady. I know he's your favorite director at all. Uh, will be in supporting roles. Apparently there will be like all new unknowns in the leads. And uh, I'm not super thrilled about another World War II movie, but I guess he has to do... Every great director has to do one. Uh, and this hopefully is his... And hopefully it's good. I love all his movies, so I'm sure it will be at least decent. Uh, looking forward to that. In 2017... Um, not going to do pre-judgment day this this episode. Probably push that off to the next one. But um, in theaters right now, Star Wars is owning everything and everyone. It's made one and a half billion in what is it, seventeen days or whatever, three weekends. Um, it's already over seven hundred million domestic. It's going to smash all the records. At least it looks that way, and we'll keep you posted. Um, and Daddy's Home, the terrible-looking Will Ferrell and Mark um, 
uh, Mark Wahlberg comedy is having a lot of success as well. I mean, 38 million, it's first weekend and held up pretty well. I guess that's the counter-programming that's working with Star Wars. Um, also out as Sisters, Chipmunks, The Road Chip, The Revenant, The Hateful Eight. So a lot of things to choose from in theaters right now. And uh, I'm sure we'll review a lot of those down the road. As you can tell, my son is getting a little frustrated, so I'm going to end this with you can email us at theredboxreport at yahoo.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Oral Report. Follow the podcast on Twitter at The Red Box Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, um, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on uh, Reddit, as well as Letterboxd. I'm at The Oral Report. Um, this was a bit of an experiment. I'm not sure how great it went, but any feedback would be appreciated. Uh, and as always, we'll catch you next time.